I it is we're paused over here, bro. We are paused. Do you want me to close the Soldier Boy Talon video? I also have open in the background. Adam Fairholm, and you're listening to Music Video Land podcast, put on just like a school play by filmedinsert.com, and is, as foretold to me in a misspelled fortune cookie, is my good friend Doug Klinger. How are you, Doug? Super good, Adam. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. You're, You're doing married. Doing married, yeah. I'm married. If, if, if anybody noticed that we... We uh, skipped a week last week for the podcast. Uh, that is the reason, because I was in the hills of North Carolina being married and then spent a week in Arizona. So, uh, ladies, ladies, he's off the market. I'm sorry. That's right. I got one of these rings. I never, I've never worn jewelry before, but I got the ring, and that's supposed to signify that the ladies stay away. And so far, it's, it's worked out really. It's really effective. Yeah, no ladies have, have uh, tried to... Get up in it. No, zero true? ladies have approached me, um, yeah. but there you go. So a little, uh, little personal note there. And Doug, it's not personal. That's everyone needs to know that. Every, it's yeah. important. It's important. And I, to the music, that news is important to the music video world. I can consider everybody listening my personal friend. So I share that with you. So today on the podcast, or this week on the podcast, we are excited to welcome Mr. Ben Fee, director and editor of You Guessed It Music Videos, and he has directed and edited as well some really awesome music videos, including Ho Hey for the Luminaires, which is a really fun video, I'm Around for Spirit Animal, Broken Paradise for Spirit Animal as well, as well as Dog Days for Crystal Antlers. Uh, So check him out on, on the site. Uh, you should definitely check out the Hohei uh, video. And what else uh, should uh, people be watching for this interview, Doug? Quiet Life, Jim's Wedding Band. It's the one that was like a wedding. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. It was very similar to my wedding. So uh, check that out. Ben has some really interesting stories about how these videos were made, including an interesting story about his uh, surprisingly intimate times with Hunter S. Thompson. Um so it's very interesting uh, inter- interview there. So check that out in the middle half of the show. And uh, it's really awesome to have Ben on the show. It was, it was really great. And um, we will uh, mention how great it is in a few minutes. In a few minutes. But uh, before that, before we get into the interview, we've got some other stuff to chat about. Yeah, I thought it would be good to get into some news stuff because more and more it's been a little quiet in the music video news uh, area. But, you know, everybody's been talking about the Facebook IPO, and that's been the big news for the past few weeks. Um, and we kind of forget that the music videos are a hot commodity online. So there's a little bit of news in that arena of the people who are the big players and providing that music video structure. And that is, of course, the music video uh, site Vivo. Did you know that Vivo is the third, the third biggest online video destination, trailing only Google, a.k.a. Uh, YouTube? 
and Yahoo, which is surprisingly uh, surprising to me, and then Facebook coming in fourth. Uh, so that is uh, pretty massive. Uh, they are apparently worth about one billion dollars with a revenue of 150 million. And the big news uh, this week is that both Google and Facebook have been looking into investing in Vivo. Vivo is a little bit at a crossroads, um, or so we hear, in that they have a, a partnership content deal with YouTube, you might notice um, when you go on, which is actually really fantastic uh, for music videos. Uh, you go on YouTube and you search for a music video, and if they're a Vivo artist, um, you know, Vivo is a privately held company, so they don't just put every everybody up there. Um, but if it's a Vivo artist, that music video will be from Vivo uh, and be sort of branded as Vivo. You'll see that like if it's Rihanna's music video, the username will be like Rihanna Vivo, and um, you'll get the high quality version there. And I think that's done a ton to sweep out all of these crappy copies and uh, you know copies that people put up themselves with all these little. Um, what do they call it? Annotations and things like that that pop up that are just really annoying. They've done a lot for them. Yeah, check out my video of me dancing also to this song. Exactly, yeah. So I, um, It's a, one thing I need to mention just to throw it in there real quick. You mentioned Rihanna because you spend hours a day on that site, right? The Rihanna Vivo page? I do. Me as well. Okay, continue. And... The oh, was like, oh, I was going I was going to say that uh, the deal between uh, YouTube and Vivo is up at the end of the year, end of 2012. So they have a little bit of a um, some options and things like that. They've hired a firm to kind of explore uh, some options for them in terms of where they want to go next. But Vivo is very very popular, and apparently their popularity rose uh, quite a bit when they uh, did some Facebook integrations in, uh, in the Facebook timeline via Open Graph. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes in the future because, you know, right now Vivo is, you know, its own entity. You know, they have a great I iPad and iPhone app. They have a, a great website. And, but, you know, I think, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm not sure of the numbers, but, you know, a lot of their views and a lot of their presence comes through their partnership deal with with YouTube. Yeah, I um, I would have to agree with that. I think that they they really embrace. It seems it would seem their um, their apps, their iPhone app, their iPad app, and um, you're right, the integration with YouTube. But yeah, I don't think they're I don't think they're really happy with what their their website is right now, based on what I've what I've heard them say. And you've complained about complained about. The, the Vivo homepage and, and website structure itself. Is that true? Not really. Um, <clears throat> you complain about the fact that they make you make a choice. Uh, I don't think I've ever complained about that. I think it's really interesting. You, listen, you were fist shaking. Don't say you weren't. I saw your fist and it was shaking. Uh, no, that's not true whatsoever. Um, I think they, I mean, remember, Vivo did a large redesign. I can't remember, you know, a few months ago near the, the beginning of the year. And it's the design that they've taken on as sort of the layout and the overall structure of it is unconventional. But I think, uh, I mean, I like it. I don't have any problem getting around or anything like that. Uh, and, you and you don't. You're like super guy. You're a super guy, web guy, as everyone. Now, yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that they've, I mean, they've really tightly integrated with Facebook. And I know, you know, sometimes I don't really understand this, but a lot of people have a a problem with that. I have no problem logging into the site with 
uh, Facebook as long as it's up uh, very upfront and clear about what you know that site is able to do with your Facebook account, which Facebook makes it easy to kind of specify that. But um, I think that may be where some of the um, problems people have with it are coming from. Yeah, and, and now also I have to be clear that I'm not. I mean, you and I both have said that we kind of think that Vivo has played a, a a big part in the in the saving of music videos because they've offered the platform to get the high quality cuts of these videos out to the masses, and you know the source to get that content from. So you know we we're all about Vivo, but I you know I just I think that their their homepage could be more open or their website itself could be more open about how to get to the content that's fair i guess and it has vivo does have the little beta tag um that's true which makes me (laughs) makes me feel like an asshole for a little bit because it's like oh really you guys this is beta it is it is beta and it's funny because vivo you know you have the two v's i think in the music video industry vivo in vimeo i think in the same way that vivo has made it really easy to have one platform for a lot of the really popular stuff i mean if it's a from a popular artist that's coming out it's almost uh guaranteed to be on vivo but then again we have a sort of underground more um, independent music video makers where vimeo has really been a godsend in terms of creating a kind of clean platform that's geared toward um, artists, so you know. Some... I think I think even oh, just to say, I think even bigger artists, bigger directors, um, really embrace what Vimeo offers. I mean, I've been uh, adding all of the Matt Alonzo videos in the last in the last kind of couple of days, and and he's you know directed videos for you know really big artists, Exhibit and Tyrese, and and you know a large portion of the artists that he's directed videos for all have Vivo accounts first, but. He also has every one of his videos on his Vimeo account as well. And so, you know, even bigger directors who, who direct things for big, you know, big name artists still really embrace uh, Vimeo as a platform to, to share their content. That is true. And we should mention, um, you know, around this, some, uh, some news of award shows coming up, one of which... Doug, you'll be in attendance at, and as the well, the Vimeo Film Festival is a festival or awards. I should know this. It's 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 both. It's festival and. Ah, uh, that's why I am confused. So, Doug, you'll be going up next week to New York to this festival, which is really um, exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. Um, there's an award show, and then the the festival's got some like the uh, the festival offers a lot of stuff. I mean, there's you know the Daniels will be speaking and. And uh, Saman will be speaking, but also there's um, like workshops and stuff, like intro to Final Cut or something. No, intro to Adobe Premiere, and you know other types of workshops and stuff too. So it's going to be really like a, a cool place for film peeps. And then also we should mention today is Thursday, May 31st. Today is, tonight is the 2012 Music Video Production Association Awards. Um, and these, MVPA, MVPA, and the and we'll put a link to in the show notes of the, um, I guess well the winners by the time this comes out, um, which will probably be uh, tomorrow. Uh, the um, they actually said they were going to release technical categories, but I can't find any. No, I thought they're on um, 
Video you find them on video, video static, yeah. Okay, on the MVPA web, website, they do not have those uh, categories. But um, a few of the uh, podcast uh, attend, or interviewees of, from the past have been um, nominated, including Kira Murai for the um, fabulous uh, St. Vincent Cheerleader video for Best Direction, um, as well as, I believe, Dugan is, is also nominated. Uh, yeah, Dugan was one, and let's just... Isaiah Serret was uh, uh, nominated for Cults Go Outside. He has not been on the podcast, but we are... We're, we're big fans. And then uh, Adam Yauch, uh, the uh, late Adam Yauch, is nominated for director uh, for the Fight for Your Right Revisited video for Best Alternative Video. It's a very, very large list of um, their categories. They have a lot of different categories, um, including some interesting ones, like Best Video Produced for Under 25,000. Um, which is f- interesting that they choose that mark. Um, I think it gives says a little bit about uh, music video budgets and their level. You know, you have your your director of the year. You have your um, uh, you know best direction of a band, best fan animated video. But then you also have things like best direction of a female artist, which is interesting. Um, best pop video, best rock video, etc. Uh, I've got and the the technical nominees will be in the show notes because uh, I've got them right here. Um, a couple of our, a couple of our, our peeps will also be found in this list. So and what, are the, what are the technical categories like? Uh, best art direction, best cinematography, um, best mm. choreography, best colorist, um, best, best computer, colorist. best computer effects, best editing, best hair, special effects, styling. Interesting. Um, the colorist is, um, let's see here. The the colorist is actually only it's it's five different videos nominated, but there's only three three different people nominated. Hmm. So the colorist game is pretty tight. It looks like some people are really big into that. Uh, some people just do coloring. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, I would. I'm I'm thinking that um, the all of the nominees for best colorist are probably full time colorists. And I should mention. I should mention because I know it. Uh, also, big shout outs to Dave Green for um, getting tagged to direct a feature. Yes, tell us about this feature that Dave Green is doing. He was on a previous episode of the podcast. You may know him from uh, whenever I think of Dave Green, I think of the Nudge and Puppies uh, video. But tell us a little bit about the, uh, the feature film that he will be directing. Uh, I guess, um, according to Variety, which we have an inside uh, connection with because we go to the website. And uh, <laughs> uh, it says that uh, he's going to make his directorial debut in an untitled wolf adventure. Um, and it's going to be a Disney movie. So um, Now, is it, for, is it for kids more? I guess, it, yeah, Disney, a, a Disney movie um, will... Um, Will probably be for kids. Dave Green has had like a kind of a, a string of success though with with a lot of his short films and stuff. Um, a lot of them have been uh, nominated and won in, in festivals and stuff. I would I wish I had specifics, but I know. Now, uh, well, you can't you can't plan for everything. You can't have all the windows open. Uh, but I can just picture it now the children saying to their parents, "Can you please put on Untitled Wolf production again?" Yeah, I know, I know. Like, over and over again, crying. Like, no, no, I don't want this other movie. I want Untitled Wolf Production <laughs> instead. 
Well, there I, you want go. The, I, I want the untitled Wolf Adventure. Oh, Wolf Adventure. Sorry. It's okay. I didn't know wolves were big. Uh, I think they're. I think it's. Uh, you know, they started introducing them in True Blood, and then pff, everyone loves them. So there you go. Um, that's uh, really awesome news. We don't know if it's. Debut. We don't know if it's werewolves or just like about wolves themselves. I'm sure we'll see it when it comes out. Or we'll get some. Uh, we'll get some. Some. Uh, what do you call it? Inside some, info. Some news. Some inside info. Right. Our tip line. The film yeah. inside. That's actually not a bad idea. I thought about making a tip line. Before. That would be. That'd be really good. Like a number to call. Yeah. Like I remember we had a good. You can do like a Google Voice number. We should have a Google Voice tip line. There we go. For a filmed insert, man, one one uh, one eight oh five music v. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's listen to our interview, and when we come back, we will have that number for you. So yeah, you check can... out this. Check out the interview with Ben Fee. Check out those music videos that we talked out about before. Now, then, <laughs> listen. <laughs> we are way too sober to be doing this. Actually, no, I'm halfway through a warm yinling. They didn't have any cold ones at the gas station, but I <laughs> chugged it down real quick at 3.30 in the afternoon for you guys. We could, uh, I couldn't do it last night, so we had to do it in the afternoon. This is what happens when we do an afternoon podcast. But we hope you're enjoying a drink. Doug's enjoying a warm yingling, which is uh, a little sad, but we're just going to kind of motor around that and go under an interview with uh, Mr. Ben Fee, the director and editor of some really awesome music videos definitely check out ho hey by the lumineers um the wedding song video uh as well as um like i'm around for spirit animal broken paradise for spirit animal as well as dog days by crystal crystal antlers um so there's a lot of great stuff with this interview coming up right now our interview with director and editor ben fee Internet, it's me, Ben Fee, your friend. Um, I uh, I live on Earth and I make videos and jump kick stuff. That's the most. Uh, that's like the friendliest introduction I think we've ever gotten on the podcast. <laughs> to welcome yeah, everybody. I like podcast. Yeah, to welcome every. We we start the podcast out every week. We'll welcome everybody to internet to music video land, which is I guess is a subset of Internet Land. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so you, it would be under that large umbrella, <laughs> internet. So, looking at your resume, you are from all over. It seems I know you went to college in Boston. You've worked in Colorado, all, and I, I believe in Europe for for a while. Where are you? Where are you originally from? Oh, I'm from a, a really large metropolis called New Hampshire. <laughs> like, um, have you ever been to New Hampshire, guys? I have, yeah. I I used to live in Boston for a short bit. Oh, good, great. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting place. If it if it doesn't trap you to um, breed early and within your family tree, then it it spawns. Uh, I don't know what it spawns. There's some interesting creatures that have come out of New Hampshire, but um, yeah, that, that's where I hail from, the Granite State. Live free or die. Nice is our motto. And and after I mean after that you've you've moved around like I mentioned you were in college in uh, Boston when did you get to LA? Um, this is probably my my third stint in LA. I went from New Hampshire. Um, 
I went to school in New Hampshire for a few semesters because Boston's a city and it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. So I went to a local school in New Hampshire. Then I lived in Boston for three years. Um, and then out to L.A. it was for me. Uh, I lived there for almost a year. And then I moved to Colorado. Uh, I lived there for a year. And then I moved back to L.A. And I was there for a couple or few years. And I was editing a magazine at that point in time. And then... Um, I moved to Portland, and at this point in time, I was spending a lot of time in Iceland, Scandinavia, but Iceland uh, mostly, and um, then Portland for three years, and then back to L.A. I've been in L.A., you know what, it, almost a year. You're talking to me on my year anniversary, just about, for Los Angeles for my third stint. Oh, happy nice. a- happy anniversary. My... Explain your rave. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the, the, it was it was a anniversary rave. I haven't stopped raving for one year. And uh, did you direct any music videos anywhere else but uh, LA or was it mainly in the LA area? Um Well, when I went to school in Boston, uh, I I think I, I I made my first music video 10, ten years ago for this band called Waltham. And they're uh, a really 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 fun band out of well, Waltham, Massachusetts. Um <laughs> And uh, it it doesn't yeah I guess it it, it holds up. <laughs> it's it's funny to watch your old work. It's it's probably almost ten years old by now. Um, but I did some videos in Iceland and um, in Portland and now Los Angeles. Um, and and pretty much you know what's awesome about music videos is all it takes is a, a camera of some sort and you can make a music video. Oh, and a song and music. Um, but the the idea of making music videos is kind of a, a, a traveling global thing, less city-centric, even though there's a ton of business, like music video business here in L.A., it, sometimes it, it becomes convoluted because there is so much business um, involved, so many people and this and the other thing. It, it's great because it, this is where the some of the biggest and best music videos are made, um, but it's it's also easy just to pick up a camera and make a music video with your your friend's band and wherever you are. Uh, mm-hmm. But you you still you still hold on to that that first video. A lot of people who are who are who are doing music videos now and and did stuff uh, you know as long ago as ten years ago kind of shun that older work because it's on on equipment that's not up to snub with with today's equipment and stuff. You still you're still proud of that of that first work. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's it's definitely funny. I, I look at my old work, and if you're happy where you're at, you can't really look down at anything you've done or any decision you've made previous to where you are. Um, so it's it's definitely funny, and I I probably would never make a, a video on that equipment again. Um, but it's it's still entertaining for me. Uh, I don't think I'd put it on my reel per se, but yeah, no, it's. It's like saying you you hate some old family members because they're they smell weird or something. You know, you you should just appreciate the smell and be <laughs> where you are. You get the number one best metaphor on the podcast as well, um, <laughs> so far. You, yeah. you and so you have um, uh, you know looking at your videography, there are some threads that we can kind of pick out th- thematically. Um, 
and I, there's two of them that we Doug and I were talking kind of picked out. One of them is this kind of surreal sense um, of imagery, which is actually really fun and interesting to see because it, it's weird to say, but it seems to be something that's going away in music videos a little bit, and it's it's really nice to see that element. And the other is this. Um, kind of rural aesthetic, like for the Quiet Life, Jim Band's Wedding, or for the Lumineers, Ho-Hey um, uh, video. Where, where do those two aesthetics come from f for you? Um, visually and creatively, I, I feel if, if artists really, and no, I, I don't want to say artists, but people that, that create anything, I, I don't really want to consider myself an artist, but I'd, I'd rather just say I make stuff. I think people that make stuff, um, when they're really inspired, honestly, they're inspired by places of, of their youth and um, or, or things that remind them of their youth, uh, places, smells, ideas. And that can be anything from uh, a simple setting or a game they played or things they imagined. And um, that's where both of those aesthetics come from, both the surreality and the kind of more rural homey feel. I, I think there's a comfort to some of those aesthetics, and there's also um, the videos that you mentioned, both Hohe and Quiet Life. Um, the, the band makes me feel like that. And I think when you make music videos, you can either have an idea that goes along with a song or a feeling, and I try to kind of match both a feeling and an idea um, visually. And yeah, there's this, the surreal thing. I, I'll always be uh, try to be strange and surreal with the things I can bring to life. I mean, I might be the worst handwriter and painter or drawer person that, that I've ever met. I, <laughs> I possess no talent there and, and no talent with a musical instrument, so therefore I, I have this uh, uh, camera thing that, that I, I try to do in order to make up for my lack of talent elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> well, when you're... Um, I mean, when you're... Uh, specifically for like a video like Baron Von Luxury, who has the best name of an art artist I've ever heard of in my life. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, the, he's great. Rosebud was the name of his sled. Was also He has got a knack for naming things. When you're, I mean, there's a lot of really, I mean, there's such like a dreamlike kind of quality to that, that video. I mean, you could almost talk about the elements like you're describing a dream. When you're pitching something like that, um, do you go through each of those elements, or is it more of pitching a, a feeling and an aesthetic for it? Um, for the Baron on Luxury video, it was... Um, I, I sat down with the Baron one day <laughs> over, uh, over, over coffee, and uh, it, was, it was a luxurious meeting. Um, but we ta I told him, you know, I initially submitted uh, the treatment, and he really liked it, and he wanted to talk about it. So we just talked about the feeling and the general idea and um, we got along really well. We, I feel like we understood each other, and he, he just kind of said, you know, I, I trust you, I trust this idea. And um, the visual elements that you see in the video came from um, a, a lack of budget and, and, and cast. So we, we used everything we could possibly find from girlfriends to makeup artists to street chalk whatever to, to friends to make up these elements and we just I, I kind of tried to, to wrap them up somehow and on the whether it was you know a couple ideas a couple days before the shoot or things that we saw that we thought would be interesting the day of the shoot um, 
those those are my favorite parts of, of the filmmaking process is you have a basic idea going into something and then when you're presented with a camera location time people everything shifts and you kind of have to be really quick on your feet to adapt and create something that you still believe in and that other people still want to represent themselves with um, so that's that's a really fun part of filmmaking for me is having these ideas and feelings and talking to the artist about them and then bringing them to life. And if, you know, if you get a curveball, then awesome. That just means you have to be sharp and bound around and, and still come out with something that you believe in. Um, but I may have veered from your question. Um, no, no, no. That was, uh, that was great. That definitely answered it. Um, because, you know, a, a few of your videos you know, have that sort of dreamlike quality, like especially the spirit animal broken paradise video, um, which has a, you know, kind of a, a narrative and a concept to it. I was wondering if you could talk about where that came from. Was that a concept that was existed previously or, or, or was it specific to this, this song? Uh, well, so Steve from spirit animal, this, the singer, um, he approached me about the video and, he had a, a DP in mind already, and he and his DP, Sam, um, Steve was also a cook and prepared food, and Sam liked shooting food, and he said, you know, do you want to involve food somehow? And I said, all right, let me, let me think about it. And the song is, to me, is very dark and interesting and somewhat soulful, and um, there's a sense of loss and pleading to the song. Uh, so after listening to it a handful of times uh, and taking their input and their, their want to shoot food, uh, that's, that's what we came up with. We wanted to make it kind of sensual and sexy and dark and make the girl appear to be as delicious as the food and vice versa. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah, the... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say I enjoy the appearance of, uh, of shrimp. Um, in, in the video, there there's a lot of shrimp, and that seems to be like the kind of the centerpiece food. Was that was was there just a lot of shrimp on sale, or how that how that come about? Um, the you know I don't think I think before the shoot, our actress had never had shrimp before, and <laughs> we kind of gave her these monster shrimp and cocktail sauce, and we filmed her eating shrimp for the first time, and. What you don't see in the video is her gagging up the shrimp and spinning it into her hand and uh, us having to redo her makeup again. And it was, it was pretty funny. Uh, I, I don't think I would have handled that any better than she did. Uh, Are you not a shrimp fan? I, yeah, I, no, I, I hate shrimp. So watching her do that, I was like, I do not envy you at all. And where did your you, shrimp fingers. Where did you find this actress? Because she has... Um such a interesting look to her and you know I, I, a lot of it definitely credit is due to the makeup artist who worked on her because you're right she does have this kind of I don't want to say delicious but food-like quality to her where, where did you where did you find her um she, she does she oozes a little bit like like a pomegranate or something yeah. um, <laughs> but my, my my producer had had uh had found her uh, my producer Colin who I, I work with on most of my videos um he wears a lot of hats, and uh, I don't think she was a, a hat, but she was definitely in in a ring of hats that he had um, worked with before. So he just he brought her to the table, the dinner table, I guess, um, <laughs> and she she worked out wonderfully. 
I had never I had never met her before she came in for uh, an audition and she was fantastic. And we were uh, lucky to have someone so delicious. Exactly. Uh, another video that that's kind of got some uh, elements of food that we wanted to talk about is the Quiet Life uh, Jim's Wedding Band video. And um, one thing that kind of struck me about this video is is a lot of people that uh, work with film in one way or another, anyone who operates camera or makes videos at all, has, has one time or another also filmed weddings. Um, between Adam and I, I think uh, we've filmed uh, a thousand weddings. That's probably not true, but a lot, a lot of weddings. Um, and uh, so I was wondering, is there like, th like, does that come from any reality in that video, or, uh, or is it, or, or is it just like an idea that kind of came from the name of the song? Uh, well, so, so the guys in Quiet Life, they were at their cousin's wedding. Their cousin's name was Jim, and it came from kind of a, a, a really wild time they had at that wedding, um, and thus came the song. And uh, I wanted to, to kind of breathe energy into the song visually. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, once again, another shoestring budget video. We, we just got friends, a bunch of really good clothes and donated food. And uh, we kind of fudged our way onto a location overnight. And the song kind of has this really fun kind of make-out food fight energy that we wanted to... To visualize and so you give a bunch of friends some some free food and bread and jello and cake and I, I think throwing that is one of their first instincts so it was, it was easy to get that uh, on camera we were also rolling five cameras on that oh wow it's a it's a yeah, it's a large shoot so basically you just let them party and 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 captured it that way yeah there are only a few beats that we needed to capture and everything else was uh, every camera approaching a couple different parties and filming individual interactions or or whatever. I mean, we had, you know, cutting the cake, we had some kisses, we had the actual wedding, and then party time. And it's, it sounds like kind of the, the place. sounds like kind of the structure of what would be an actual actual wedding video. I, I think that's I think that's the real question we're trying to get at here. Is have you ever filmed weddings, and if so, would you like to advertise your services? <laughs> um, I've never filmed a wedding before, but I would film weddings if they turned out like that. If I knew they could turn out like that, I definitely would. Um, <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, I, I am an ordained minister, actually. Oh, really? So I, I could, yeah, I could perform the wedding and then film it at the same time. I could have like a GoPro on my forehead. <laughs> have you have you performed a wedding before? Yes. Yes, I have. Oh, cool. Um. um yeah, go to sinisterminister.com to book your <laughs> wedding video today. It's funny you say that's a uh, kind of a shoestring budget video because I, when I looked at that, I thought exactly the opposite because they're, I mean, those clothes don't look like clothes people just have lying around. Was that a bring-your-own-clothes thing or, or where did you get that cost, the costumery from? It was, so that was done in Portland, and Portland is a really communal city. It's really fun. Um there's no real foundation for sustainable filmmaking in Portland at all. Um, so there's a lot of favors, always, always, always. There's tons of creative people always willing to lend hands, but there's no money. So if you can barter something, um, then you can pretty much get whatever you want except cash. So we would, we traded services. I won't 
tell you exactly what services, but we borrowed clothes and, and whatnot. I'm just kidding. There's no illicit servicing. <laughs> it was a dumb, dumb, dumb joke. Well, it's a um, joke that we're gonna we're gonna leave the part where you clear it up. We're gonna cut that out. <laughs> so we're leave, we're leaving that in there. We might even put like a weird, awkward silence in there. You never know. So yeah, you know, damn you, editor. <laughs> uh, uh, this video, uh, the Jim's wedding band video, uh, that that was uh, selected last year at the LA Music Video Festival. Is that correct? Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Uh-huh. Was it, were you, I think it was in the student category, were you a student at that time? No, I think my producer did that. Um, I, I didn't even know it made it. <laughs> I didn't know it made it until uh, after the festival, and my my rep actually told me that she saw the video there, and I, I was surprised. I, I didn't know it was there. And so what year did you graduate college, if you don't mind my asking? I don't remember. No, I, I graduated <laughs> college in um, 2004 or 5. 2004. 2004, yeah. Hmm, wow, so there's something a long time ago. There's something fishy going on then. No, no, my, my producer, no, he submitted as a producer and he was a student. Oh, okay. All right, okay. cleared up, cleared up. Did you, did that, that hit us both at the same time, like a, like a wave. Adam and I said the same words. In the same, that was really that was really awesome. I was really enjoyed <laughs> being a part of that. Sorry, threw the interview off. No, no, no. I love being a part of that. I wish I had two phones. <laughs> Each of your voices would have been stereo. Oh man. Now, um, you know the other other video that has, an, I, I don't I don't know what to call the the aesthetic, but the one that the Quiet Life Jim's wedding band has is a video that we're really big fans of, and that is the Lumineers Ho Hey video. Um, and it has this effect in it uh, where there are, I don't know if they're technically Christmas lights, but strung lights in a hallway. And they kind of bounce with the, with the music. And it's interesting because, it, you know, it's not a post, or at least I don't think it is, like a post, um, you know, effect no, that you no, do no. after the fact. Yeah. How, do you guys, how did you guys do that? Um, with old-fashioned humans. Um, we had, we had uh, a bunch of guys on set and they were uh, attached to dimmers and the song is, is short and it's really catchy and it's really easy to learn and uh, we were just playing it all morning setting up um, everyone kind of getting it stuck in their head so when it came time to roll we had beats where we wanted the, the lights to you know pulse and get brighter and dimmer and this that and the other thing um, and so we had people actually manually fading those up and down the entire day but the, so they, you meant the technique is old fashioned. I, when you said that, I envisioned like like old old timey gentlemen. Old timers, yeah, yeah. Just like yeah, guys from the twenties. These guys bootlegged all the way up here, and they dimmed our lights for us. Um, uh, I I was wondering about this video because this is kind of like the um, the the first video for the band Lumineers and stuff. Um, uh, you know, what is it like to kind of be putting out kind of a first visual for a band like this, like this video is doing? Well, I've, I've known the Lumineers for a couple of years now, and um, I have a, a live music web series called, uh, called The Sights of Sounds, and when I was living in Portland, I came across the Lumineers in a tiny, tiny bar one night doing a, an open-air show, and uh, I, I fell in love with them. I thought they were amazing. Their energy was... was so fun and happy, and they're appreciative and grateful humans. Um, 
and I approached them about doing a couple of videos for my web series, and you know they obliged, and we immediately filmed that night at like one thirty in the morning in an apartment, and we kind of bonded over that night, and then over the following months, and uh, then I moved to LA, and they they would come and stay with me in Los Angeles. You know, during during their travels, other people obviously picked up on their talents, so they got management and a record label. And uh, being close to them and knowing what kind of people they were, I, I really had a, an idea of of what I thought should be presented to the world on their behalf for the, the first time. Um, I wanted to showcase their energy and how they incorporate people into their live sets because they always ask people to sing with them and join in on the choruses and call and response. And they're all such cute little mammals. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. And it's great to watch them play because they enjoy not only each other's company, but they enjoy the other people enjoying their music. It's just, it's a really, really positive experience. So, really long-winded answer. I just wanted to convey the energy that the band gives to the people during their shows to the people who see the video for the first time. For a video, you know, like this, like Doug said, it's the first, you know, video for the Lumineers. How much, you know, did they want an input on how they were going to be portrayed? Or was it a situation where they said, you know, we trust you with the image, you know, go for it? Well, they, they, they vetted a, I mean, they, they're friends with a, a Isaac as well, who you talked to, Isaac Ravishankara. Mm -hmm. And we've, uh, he did, he edited a video for them and they had a bunch of people who are filmmakers who submitted ideas. Um, but the, the, the very first time I ever hit record on a camera with the Lumineers was a, a main draw for my inspiration for this video. Um, when I looked through the screen, I, I was I I knew that that was a really cool moment. It was a really fun moment, and I always wanted to make that a little bigger of a moment for more people to see. Um, to me, when I watched the band come together and walk together for the very first time, it was like watching, you know, a group of friends or a tight-knit family, you know, slowly join each other's sides in a in a walk. Uh, I also wanted to ask about the location, too, because it's such... Where did you guys film this? It's such a nondescript, like, hallway that they're walking down. Did you did you check out some hallways be before, or was it a... Or, or how, how did you come across that hallway? Uh, well, when we were scouring the city of Los Angeles for hallways, there was one hallway that I really wanted to use, and it was um, it was in a, video, a music video that P.T. Anderson directed. And, uh, and the hallway goes on forever. It's the longest hallway in Los Angeles, probably one of the longest in the world, but it's so hard to find out where it is. Um, and so time was running out and I couldn't find it. And uh, a friend recommended this place called the Linda Vista Hospital, which is, it used to be an old mental hospital. And uh, so we went over there and checked it out. And it was creepy. It smelled terrible. There was bird shit on the top floor. Every floor had a different theme. There was the post-apocalypse on the top floor, the creepy <laughs> mad scientist floor on the bottom, and then just this weird kind of yellowish, nice warm-toned floor in the middle. And within that, there was a, a church room. And we didn't want to have any religious connotations at all with the video, but the, the room offered a lot of great colors, and the hallway was, was really beautiful. And 
Uh, we had a great art director, so uh, we yeah we shot at this place called the Linda Vista Hospital, and it's filled with long hallways, creepy corridors, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of kids on set. And once the sun went down, the kids would not leave their parents' sides. <laughs> I, I don't blame them at all. Why is that? They didn't want to get uh, bumped around. Uh, the kids didn't want to get eaten by goblins. Oh yeah, oh that's right. I free, I'm I'm not putting myself in the mind of a kid. If I was, yeah, because that if dark in a creepy location like that, I can see that definitely. Yeah, no, there are goblins everywhere, and it was a good thing we stuck together. We would have been done for. <laughs> now the the last video I wanted to cover is the Crystal Antlers Dog Days video. Um, I think it's a really well, first of all a really fantastic video and it's one of those videos where you kind of you have to really pay attention to figure out what's yeah. going on and you also need to maybe watch it a, a few times and, and you know earlier you said that one of the things about music videos is you're not really always sure where they're going or where they're going into the ether when you do a video like that is it a, a consideration of are people going to get this or are they just going to be confused and, and, and moved on? Is that a limitation of the art form in, in your opinion at all? Um, I really do try to be considerate of, considerate of, uh, of an audience. Um, I feel really fortunate to be able to make something like, like this and, and do it frequently and somewhat for a living. Um, so I don't want to just make, make quote-unquote art and throw it into the, the universe, you know, I feel like if, if I want people to, to get something from it, I, I need to think about that. And with this, I had points A, B, and C lined out for where the, like, when the viewer would get these beat points and what they would take away from it. Um, structurally, in editing, it, it actually is pretty similar to how I, I envisioned it. I, I wanted the punchline to be the, the hanging feet. Um, you know, and so that you have all these interesting emotions and interactions with these inanimate objects and powder of some sort and dust. Um, and then you learn that it comes from, that each interaction did come from a very personal place and that, um, the celebration, the, the celebratory run at sundown at the end with everybody, I, I feel like remembrance it can be looked at as a very heavy video because it deals with death and, and suicide, which are, are two very heavy subjects, but um, they're whatever you make them. And for for these people, they had time to celebrate this person's existence with one another and have it be an actual celebration, not a mourning. And uh, they, they did it on their terms. They didn't do it on on anyone else's terms. They didn't organize a funeral. They just, they were kind of on their way someplace and they kept going in that direction with their, their friend, even though he was no longer there. Now there's um, one thing that I think I would be remiss in asking you about because I, you're actually very unique in directors and that you have like a full resume on your site and you read through it and the first thing on your experience is a writing assistant, cinematographer, and photographer in a 405 for Hunter S. Thompson in Colorado. Yeah. Hunter Thompson yeah. had had people working for him. I, I just, uh, that was like one of the most sort of out of left field resume items I've ever seen. I was wondering if you just briefly let us know how you, how you got that gig. 
Um, yeah, it's it's a total curveball. I mean, it's it's still it's still funny for me. Uh, that was that was at that point in time. I think I mean, I'm gonna I'll I'll go back to your question in just a second. But that point in time was so interesting because I I knew that, that was a very important era of my own life working for Hunter. Um, mm -hmm. But I didn't know to what extent. Uh, I, I was supposed to be there for a few years, um, but um, he passed away, and so our our projects and our our everything was left unfinished, like everything else. Uh, mm -hmm. But how he and I got started. So my mom had lived in Colorado for many years, and in the end of the '90s. She and my very young sister and myself, we worked on a ranch in a town called Woody Creek, Colorado, and Hunter was a local there, and uh, yeah, Woody Creek is a very small and strange place, uh, ranchers and the rich and the strange and infamous, and everyone kind of knew each other just from living there and going to the, the one place to eat, the one local watering hole called the Woody Creek Tavern. And so there's that. And then years later, about four years past, um, my mom's still in Colorado. My mom, had, uh, she'd been working on some, some different ranches and properties around that area and, and had uh, done some work at the Hunters. And she, she'd mentioned to me that he was looking for someone to document the making of Rum Diary. And mind you, this is in 2004. Um, and the rum diary just came out. So I thought, oh, shit, that would be amazing. That would be ideal. And I was living in California at the time. My, my lease ran up, and I finished school, and I just drove over to Colorado. And um, I talked with his, his wife, and then I talked with him. And we talked all night about the project, and he told me the script was crap and that this, that, and the other thing, and that it probably wouldn't be made for a long time. And then... He kind of ellipsed. He had an, an ellipsis of a thought, and he just kind of trailed off. And he goes, "Well, do you write?" And I always loved writing, but I, I'm talking to to Hunter Thompson. I didn't want to be like, "Oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm quite the pen," or you know, I, I was I didn't know how to behave or hold myself, I'm just a like a young dude. Um, so I was like, uh, 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 "Yeah, I guess." And uh, so he he thought, "Well, let's let's do this tonight." Let's, let's write. And uh, so from 10 p.m. to 6 or 7 in the morning, um, we talked, and he showed me how he, he wrote and his pattern and everything. And uh, come 6 in the morning, he's like, wow, this is, this is a lot of fun. Why don't you come back tomorrow and do it again? So I came back the next day, and then the next day, and the next day, and it just it, it didn't really stop after that. It was it's quite a, an interesting, tumultuous and great ride, but it just it, it it wasn't really planned and it just happened. Wow, so. that's uh, yeah. I I didn't even that didn't even register with me with the dates that Hunter uh, S. Thompson passed away in uh, winter of uh, February two thousand five. Uh, so that so it, which is. Uh, when you were when you were writing with him, that's uh, that's really incredible. Yeah, yeah, we we had a lot of 
cool stuff that we were working on. He had a lot of really neat opportunities on, on the horizon. And um, But I, I think one of the, the best qualities about Hunter, aside from his um, unwillingness to live by anybody else's rules, was the company that he kept. He always had the best people around him. And he, he's introduced me to some of my my closest friends and peers and colleagues still today. Um but yeah, he was, he was quite good at keeping good people around him. So there we go, Ben Fee. Can you can you believe the whole Hunter S. Thompson thing? I was thinking he was just he just maybe I don't know picked up his mail or something like that. Like Hunter S. Thompson maybe kind of just had an intern but this was like a this is like a tuesdays with maury kind of thing not tuesdays was, with maury it was like a you're the you're the band now dog thing mm-hmm. oh finding force finding forester thing i mean it was it was for real um i don't know if there was like the the socks thing that went on from finding force i never saw that movie so uh it went over my head but um we below are, it we below are, your head we are very, uh, I mean, we always say, do what we're going to say, we, we will do. So we have a tip line, um, just like TMZ. Yeah, we, ma- we made it happen, right. During, while you guys were listening to the interview, we made it happen. So here's the deal. Call this number. Um, it will just go straight to voicemail. And it will uh, have, have be my sh- uh, shining voice telling you to leave us a message. This could be anything from uh, a, a tip, a message for us. Um, we will play uh, anything we get on air uh, or on the podcast, not on air, on the internet um, on the next episode. So the n- number is 424-442-0653, and that number will be in the show notes as well as on the podcast page. We will play it. We will whatever play you, it. Whatever you say. Could be anything. Remember, we are not afraid of an explicit tag, so go nuts. Um, so are we ready to do Pixo of the Week? How's that yingling doing? Oh, man, it's going down warm. Um, yeah, we can do some PO dubs. Uh, we can definitely do some PO dubs. Uh, 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 I'm ready to go, even. Well, then, uh, then let's do it. Go ahead. Oh, is that what I should do? Okay, sweet. Um, my pick of the week is by an artist named R. Kelly. Um, and the song is called Trapped in the Closet, Chapter 19. Um, now, I don't know if you've seen any of the Trapped in the Closet series. Uh, I have not seen any of them. I thought I knew what they were about. And then I saw Chapter 19 completely out of context. Just This was the first one I decided to watch because I just wanted to maybe try to like do it in like a Pulp Fiction style, do it completely out of order, see if it still worked. And... Um, Based just on watching chapter 19, I can't wait to see the rest because um, literally the only thing that happens in chapter 19. Now, this is chapter 19 of, I think, a 22-chapter series. So there's not enough wiggle room now that you're in 19. This is the meat of the Trapped in the Closet series. And and what is going on is R. Kelly, um, who I know is playing R. Kelly in parts of it, is is in this chapter also playing a pimp and an old man preacher. And 
literally the only thing that happens in this song is the R. Kelly preacher begs the pimp R. Kelly to not be a pimp anymore. And the R. Kelly pimp essentially says no and leaves. Um, and then there's a whole music video about this. Uh, there's no, like the song the, throughout the R. Kelly Trapped in the Closet series is the same repetitive beat. There's no variations in it at all. And he's just saying, I don't even remember what the lyrics are, just stop being a pimp or like some ridiculous thing over and over again. You hear it in the background and then the pimp essentially just leaves and takes some hoes along with him. So my pick of the week, R. Kelly, Trapped, trapped in the Closet, Chapter 19. Check it out. It takes some massive balls to do a 22-piece music video, essentially. There's an entire choir. There's an entire pew. Is that what it's called? People in a, people in a church. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, place, yeah. There's an entire that full of people. There's several people on stage. I mean, this is a huge cast just for Chapter 19. And, um, yeah, you're right. Balls. That's what you think of with, with R. Kelly and this music video. Um, who R. Kelly actually has, like, as of right now, the biggest catalog of music videos on our site. R. Kelly has so many videos, and they span through such a long span of time. And he's such a pop artist that the funniest thing about R. Kelly videos is if you look at the clothes that he's wearing, it is, is it basically a direct reflection of what was popular in clothing during that era. So in the beginning, he's like no shirt, and then he's got like a bunch of basketball jerseys and do-rags, and then he's in suits, and now he's like in hipster clothes. Like it just, you see like the, you see like the style directly reflected in what R. Kelly is wearing. And he looks ridiculous in each time. So uh, take a walk down style road through R. Kelly's videos. It's an important time capsule. It is indeed, and 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 so now you can say what your pick of the week is, and that wasn't the audio messing up. That was me on mute. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear that, or else I was going to just rip out the internet from this apartment. Um, so uh, people like to make these sort of, uh, I don't know what to call them, alternative-type music videos, you know? Uh, usually music videos is a video you play in YouTube and there's, you know, it's a passive experience and you watch it, but people like to push the envelope. Our, you know, Arcade Fire did it with, um, a, you know, a few tracks off their last album, um, including We Used to Wait. People have been doing some interesting things, but a music video just came out a few, uh, a few days ago, two days ago, three days ago. Uh, that I thought was interesting. It's been done before, but um, I thought... Uh, this is a good time to talk about it, and that is a choose-your-own-adventure video. Have you ever watched a choose-your-own-adventure video, Doug? Um, I have a pretty good idea of what a choose-your-own-adventure video is. So choose-your-own-adventure, remember, if when you were a kid, I'm sure everybody had these where you you know, you know, came to something, some obstacle, and you had a choice between a few things, and you went to a different page, and you kind of choose chose your, your story. So with this... Um, the artist in question, which is Elsie, who appears to be an English singer, such as a Lily Allen or um, some something of that sort, is um, 
using the annotation feature on YouTube so that you can, at the end of these little videos, which usually average about 40 seconds and play a portion of the song, you can choose a different sort of path to go down. Now, the whole premise of this video is that um, you're trying to make Elsie famous. So you can, um, so there's not really much of a choosing an adventure as much as just choosing different sort of little vignettes. And it's all just her in a room kind of dancing around and doing different little tableaus, um, which are, which vary in their degree of um, interestingness. Uh, so here's just, here's one. Uh, you can, at the end of this video, you can make a reality TV show or attack Adele and Beyonce. I'm not sure why it's attack both of them, uh, but you can attack both of those. Um, the thing is, is that um, none of the, this doesn't really appear to work. Uh, I think it's a kind of a, it's a really interesting idea, but you click things and you don't really like, get to the next. Like I just clicked Beyonce. Uh, like attacked Adele and Beyonce and I went to this thing where she's a blogger and this woman is kind of laying on the wackiness a little thick but um, I think it's a the reason why I chose it as a pick of the week I think it is a sign of uh, what is to come with music videos this artist Elsie has an interesting quote where she says that it's not enough to uh, just put out a video anymore um, you know you have to make it interactive and make it some sort of entertainment so even if they don't like the song they're going to get some entertainment value out of it I think that's um, on, on one side completely false I mean we saw the Kanye West Jay-Z video for um, No Church in the Wild just go nuts over Twitter and Facebook this week because it was a really compelling video um, there's no interaction about it but for I think small artists like Elsie um, they're starting to use the medium in this case a feature uh, that is really unique to YouTube the annotation feature um, starting to use the medium in kind of different and interesting ways if nothing else to kind of gain you know an article or a story here and there kind of saying oh this artist is doing this interesting thing like I said this is one of those I think one of those early attempts that doesn't really work it's that doesn't really technically uh, bring you through any uh, story, but I'm interested to see what uh, is the is to come because in, in you know when you think about it, the YouTube annotation feature is really interesting. You can put little kind of interactive links to things at different parts of your video. That's actually one of the I think there was a um, company Blip.tv back in like 2008 that that was their whole idea. One of their like key concepts is that you were going to be able to to do this and then. YouTube did it, and I think Blip.tv is still in existence, but not quite uh, chug it along. Um, but anyway, that's my pick. Elsie, uh, the song is called London Town, and uh, we got a link in the show notes. So there you go. It's um, it's something I've seen done in like in comedy videos and stuff. Um, one of the guys who was on the comedy panel at the LA Music Video Festival, um, the, the channel is called Totally Sketch. They um. They, the, one of their more popular videos is like you're you're taking a guy through trying to like get laid with a girl and mm. you're like making decisions. Um, but this idea of interactive music videos, I have a feeling, will be talked about in a upcoming episode of the show. And Adam doesn't even know what I'm talking about right now, but look out for it. Uh, probably in like three or four episodes, you'll see it'll be awesome. Yeah, there's there's 
different ways. The reason I found this was interesting is because they're using something that's like specific to YouTube. Other people have used like HTML5 or um, uh, you know other specific technologies to uh, all, all the you know if with every instance they're using technology in a way that it wasn't designed for whatsoever. Um, especially, right. but they're they're using it in a um, an interesting way kind of bending it so props to Elsie there uh for trying something interesting and new with the music video and it's uh check it out check it out um that was a great episode i say oh man we should treat ourselves to a warm yingling i'm already halfway there so do you have like a really old lemon that's all dried up you can put in there do you put lemons in your yingling? yeah yeah i mean if it's hey it's in the middle of the afternoon we're putting up lemons and everything I think it's a that's a good place to end it uh, because I'm not gonna uh, ask where else you put lemons. <laughs>